please be sure you take a bullet in. A reminder that uh, with Memorial Day tomorrow, the morning mass will be a little earlier. It'll be at nine o'clock uh, in the morning and next Saturday, because there's a town-wide garage sale, uh, it'll be at eight o'clock next Saturday morning. Next Saturday evening at four o'clock mass, we will celebrate Father Minelli's Golden Jubilee. Do sign up if you will bring food for the potluck dinner afterwards. And next Sunday is Corpus Christi. There'll be a procession after the 10.30 Mass uh, out and down the, the street. Uh, we'll hear a little bit more about that towards the end of Mass, uh, the idea of it, and a potluck luncheon uh, at the park. And then next Sunday evening we'll commence 40 hours of exposition of the Blessed Sacrament with uh, evening prayer at 6 o'clock. Please do sign up for an hour uh, of adoration. Um, if you're a Monday adorer already, well then sign up for your Monday hour. If you're not a Monday adorer, then perhaps choose another hour on another uh, outside the hours of 10 in the morning till 10 in the evening on a Monday um, uh, so that we can cover uh, the whole 40 hours. And um, you know, there's, there, there's an important message after Mass, uh, towards the end of Mass, about the dismissal. Um, it's so, so important that we stay and hear those words go. And we'll hear a message from Monsignor Stieber um, from the Diocesan Council for the New Evangelization about the real significance of that meaning, go, at the end of Mass. It's so, such a shame that anyone should leave before the blessing and before actually being dismissed. Please don't. And wait today, for us, and always, but wait today to hear this message from Monsignor Stieber. I see, uh, I know a number of our parishioners are away because of the Memorial Day weekend and the holiday. And I see uh, visitors, I could say strange faces, but no human face is strange. It's uh, a face that God delights to be with. And so today on this Feast of the Blessed Trinity, I want to share with everybody, whether you're a parishioner here or a visitor, and you're most welcome, the beauty of God's love, which is really what this feast is about. We heard from St. Paul today that the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. There has been an outpouring into our hearts of God, of God himself, because God is love. You cannot separate the love of God from God. It's not a separate thing. It is God. And today we celebrate this mystery of the Blessed Trinity, which is indeed a mystery. Three persons in one God, three divine persons. And in the second person of the Blessed Trinity, of course, we have the mystery of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, God made man. One person, two natures. Not a human person. Jesus was not a human person. He's a divine person with a human nature and a divine nature. Perfect God and perfect man, but the person of God. And we should know this doctrine, of course, not that we understand it fully, because it's too deep for us to comprehend. But yet it is something that we can grasp within us because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, a great mystic of the Holy Trinity, wrote this. Heaven is where God is. God is in my heart. Therefore, heaven is in my heart. I need to know, look no further than into my heart where God is to find heaven. And I carry heaven around with me wherever I go. And I allow, I, I allow that sense of heaven to increase in my heart as the love of God is poured more abundantly into my heart. 
When we understand God as love, we can understand to some extent this mystery. But if we do not understand God as love, we may have an intellectual comprehension of the mystery and know the doctrine, but we will not be able to understand truly this mystery. For through reason we can know that there is a God, we can work out that there is a creation and there is a mind that brought it into existence, it has a design and a purpose, but only through faith, only through revelation in Jesus, of Jesus Christ, only by believing his words can we know about the Trinity, three persons in one God. And I've placed in the church today this icon by Anton Rublev, 15th century Russian iconographer. It's difficult to find a place where everybody can see it because of the shape of the church. And right now I know I'm obstructing the view of some people, but you can look at it during the Mass. Don't be afraid of being distracted and looking at the picture. You're looking at an image of God. And in the East, icons are, are venerated as, as really bringing us into the presence of God. And that icon represents um, what happened to Abraham in the 18th chapter of the book of Genesis. Three men who appeared to him. They came to announce that Sarah would bear a son. They shared a meal. Abraham and Sarah prepared a meal for them. And so we see that it's a rep representing a meal to some extent. We see that there's a place for us. We see it's a kind of circle, but we're there, it, we're, we form part of it. it. represents the table, looks a little bit, look, little bit like an altar. There's a chalice there, which reminds us of the sacrifice of the Mass. These three men also appeared to bring about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because of the immorality of those towns. You remember how Abraham asked them, if you find 50 just men in Sodom, will you de destroy the town? I will not destroy the town if I find 50 just men. And Abraham keeps on 40, 30, 20, 10. If I find 10 just men, I will not destroy the town. We know, of course, that God went ahead and destroyed the town. But we are invited here to dwell on the mystery of God's love. And we see that the, the, the figures are identical in appearance because they share the same divine nature. They are distinguished by the, by the color of, the, of their dress and also by the symbols that are above them. If you look closely and if you had a better quality, this is just a poster print, if you had a better quality icon or a newly um, written icon, you would see above the Father on the left a house, the house of the Father. You can see, I think quite clearly, uh, above the Son, just behind him, a tree, reminding us of the tree, of the tree by which our first parents fell into sin, and the tree of, of the cross by which our, we are redeemed, Jesus Christ on the cross, and above the figure on the right, a mountain representing the presence of God, where we go to find God, the Holy Spirit. And we are invited to, to join them at this table, to share in that infinite life of God. The whole purpose of creation was so that we human creatures could have communion with God. We read in the book of Proverbs there about the wisdom of God, poured forth from God, present as the universe was created. But you, do you see how it climaxes? And I found my delight in the sons of men. With human beings, that's where the wisdom of God found delight. As St. Paul said, and as the words I began my homily with, the love of God has been poured into our hearts. This is where God truly finds his delight, is in us. And Jesus himself in the Gospel tells us that the Holy Spirit will take from what belongs to him and the Father and declare it to us. 
Whatever belongs to the Father and the Son belongs to us. We will know the innermost secrets of God. And human love is called to image this love of God. We see so many examples of noble human love. Last week with the Oklahoma tornado, I remember listening on the radio to a young man who put his own life at risk to go into a school that was all but collapsed around him to rescue a little child. And it was only afterwards he realized that, you know, the rest of the building could have collapsed on him as well. But that love and that, again, delighting another human being, it's worth saving that life, moved him. Uh, to, to do something that was very dangerous. And we see it in our own community with the good work of the St. Vincent de Paul Society. We've seen it at the St. Francis Connection Centre, how people have come to help those in need. We've seen it in the funerals this, this week, where the community has come together. They've reached out in such a beautiful way, whether it's providing food or being the choir or the servers, asking for masses to be offered for those who've died. This is human love imaging the beautiful love of God. And love in its physical sense must image that love of God as well. The love of male and female. When husband and wife come together and are united in one flesh, the, the, the natural thing is to produce new life, to be open to it at least. Sometimes God does not, does not bring about a new life uh, in, in that moment. When they're open to life, a husband and wife image that Trinitarian love which is open and embraces more than themselves. When they close themselves to life, they are selfish and it's not love at all, it is a selfish act between the two, closed to another. And today I wanted to speak a little bit about homosexuality as well because there's so much in the news as state after state is passing uh, so-called same-sex marriage laws. And the Boy Scouts Association has passed resolutions concerning the admission of those who define themselves as homosexual. Now we need to be not to discriminate unjustly against anybody. We need to affirm the dignity of every human being. But certainly the, the agenda between uh, same-sex marriage is an agenda against the truth. And on the face of it, the Boy Scouts Association resolution might seem a fair resolution to make, but one suspects that there's another agenda behind it. I hope not, but maybe there is. We need to acknowledge the dignity of every human being, but we cannot acknowledge that every inclination we might experience is good. The fact that we are male and female is something to be received, not something to decide ourselves, not something that we can redefine. To experience same-sex attraction is not in itself evil, it's how we deal with it, if we experience it, that matters. The Catechism of the Catholic Church is quite clear that same-sex attraction in itself is a disordered inclination. Those who experience it, however, must be accepted with respect, compassion and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. These persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives. And if they are Christians, to unite the sacrifice of the Lord, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross, the difficulties that this may that they may uh, encounter. The dignity of every human being. In my previous parish, 
there was uh, two men who, were, who lived that lifestyle. Uh, the mother of one of them I ministered to as she was sick and then she, she died following surgery in hospital and so we had the funeral. The mother of another one, also a parishioner, one who was at Mass every, every Sunday and then became sick and so was given communion at home and to my knowledge she still is ministered to in that way from the parish. They knew perfectly well, these two men, what the church's teaching was. However, they, did, they were not interested in marriage because they knew marriage was something else. They were not driven by an agenda. And in the dealings with their parents, they found that I acknowledged them and respected them. One day, one of them called me up and he said, Father, would you come to dinner? I said, yeah, sure, I'll come to dinner. He said, you will? They kind of thought I wouldn't. Yes, I went to dinner with them and had a pleasant evening and talked about every subject under the sun, but not about their situation, just talked about, you know, had good social time. And they found that acceptance affirming, even though they knew full well and respected the church's teaching on this matter, though I did not condone their lifestyle. And I took it as a compliment that when the news went out that I was leaving that parish, they called to say that they were very, very sorry that I was leaving. So this intransigence, one might say, concerning the truth, does not, innate, does not disable us from being charitable and respectful of one another. The, church, the Catholic Catechism says that homosexual persons are called to chastity by the virtues of self-mastery that teach inner freedom, by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace. They can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. They need that friendship and the help of God's grace. It is possible to change with the help of grace. The research gives quite a complex um, you know, genesis in someone of, of homosexuality. It's, it's possible that there might be some you know, genetic influence, but that's certainly not definitive. What seems to be the case more is the relationship with a parent of same sex. Often a woman, a girl who doesn't experience a good relationship with a mother, might experience same-sex attraction. Likewise, a boy who hasn't had a good relationship with a father might also follow the same way. I read recently an account of a lady called Rosaria Champagne Butterfield, colourful name if ever there was one, and uh, interesting that her first name was Rosaria, which means rosary of course. She was a lesbian professor, very radical, and she wrote an article uh, which was promoting all her agenda and uh, she got mail as a response affirming mail supportive hate mail and she put them in two separate piles and then she, she received a letter from a Christian minister who actually engaged her without her realizing it on what do you base that argument where's the data that you that you uh, you know that you base that argument on and she found herself invited to a dialogue, which was the first time that had happened, and she accepted it. Anyway, the friendship developed, and she found herself one day in that minister's church, and she, she writes herself how she was self-conscious with her rather butch hairstyle, as she describes it. But she said, I wasn't there to worry about what people thought. I was there to find out about Jesus Christ. 
And she found out and realized that I have to obey Jesus Christ, fall under his grace, and then I will understand. And she is now a wife and mother. Many men too, through the ministry of a Catholic organization called Courage, have found that they can either overcome their orientation and marry even, and or they have found the grace to live chaste and fulfilled lives because they have, they have encountered that there is a love which surpasses all others, which is the love of God. We must be charitable, but we must be clear. We must also acknowledge that the campaign to, to bring about a legalized so-called same-sex marriage is an evil one. Cardinal Bergoglio, now Pope Francis, he wrote to the Carmelites in his diocese and was very clear on this issue. He says, this is the work of the envy of the devil through which sin entered the world and deceitfully intends to destroy the image of God, man and woman, who receive the mandate to grow, multiply and conquer the earth. Let us not be naive. It is not a simple political struggle. It is an intention destructive of the plan of God. It is not a mere legislative project, but rather a move of the father of lies who wishes to confuse and deceive the children of God. That is our gentle Pope Francis, who sees so clearly the work of the father of lies in what is happening. Let us turn to God and allow his love to fill us. Let us remember those words of blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, that where heaven Heaven is where God is. God is in my heart and heaven is in my heart. On this feast of the Blessed Trinity, let us ourselves be possessed by this love. Let us ask the Lord to pour himself once more into our hearts that we may overflow in love to those around us and in that way show people the beauty of God's love and the will of God for each one of them.